This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. My three words for this, baffling, embarrassing, and infuriating. Yeah. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Strike to Bogart. And Gray catch it third by Sano. Whoa. A liner headed to left field, but it never got there. Showing some quick action down at third base is uh, Sano on that one. That ball looked like it was ticking at the left field, but watch the right here, the crossover step. The dive and the nice play by Sano. All right. Yesterday was the final Grapefruit League action for the Twins. I got to be honest, I haven't watched a ton because they've only been on TV a few times. So I've just been like reading stories. and. But I think that's almost better because if you get caught up in what you see in spring training, oftentimes it can be very deceiving. Oh, look at this pitcher. Dusty Hughes went scoreless one spring for the Twins and... Looked tough against lefties, like had a 10 ERA by the end of April and has not pitched in the big league since. Yeah, because Luke Hughes, right? Because it's so long, it it leads you to conclusions that are absolutely awful. Yeah, and everyone's ramping up. Everyone is just getting back into the swing of things. And also, you're facing a lot of kind of borderline major leaguers, if not just straight up minor league pitchers, too, in these games. So it's uh, but it's fun and baseball season is here. So, but that's what spring training represents to me. It's just more symbolic and it's a month long warm up. And yesterday, I think was what the Twins are going to put out as their A lineup. There might be some tweaks to this, depending on depending on like lefty righty pitcher matchups and you know Robbie Grossman is going to get some time this season, not as a regular, but depending on he might face lefties or something. Um, you might put. Max Kepler played right field yesterday, but if there's a tough lefty, you, you might see Robbie Grossman in right field. But sure. here was the lineup yesterday for the Twins. You tell me your thoughts on this. Mm-hmm. Brian Dozier leading off again. Joe Maurer batting second. Miguel Sano third. Eddie Rosario cleanup. Eduardo Escobar as the starting shortstop batting fifth. Logan Morrison, DH, batting sixth. Max Kepler in right. Byron Buxton in center. And Jason Castro behind the plate in that nine spot. The first thing that stopped me, and and I believe we saw this on the lineup card late last week and talked about it a little bit, Buxton eighth. That surprised me. Now he I'm, sta- fi- I'm fine with it. I am too, but I believe it, it was last year, if I am correct in saying this, he started the season batting third, which I thought was really aggressive. And then he didn't hit a pitch for like the and first three weeks. And he was awful. Yeah, it was uh, too much for him. Coming off the, this season that he had, I thought he he might be higher. All of that being said, I'm fine with where he's batting right now. But it surprised me. Here's what here's what the move is to me, and I and, and I think the Twins learned from last year. All right, we're going to empower this guy. He's the future. He's going to be a franchise cornerstone player. And it was almost a psychological play. We know that he hasn't really produced at a high level over you know a large chunk of time, but he had a great September. We're, we're pretty confident in his spring so far. This is a year ago. Let's empower him and put him in that third spot and show him, hey, you're the man. It's your time. And it was almost like he went in thinking, all right, well, then I got to drive in a bunch of runs because I'm the number three hitter, right? I got to swing at everything and be Mr. Productivity. 
and it backfired. And pitchers just they never threw him a strike, and he and he never he never readjusted by being to. patient, right? Mm-hmm. So I love this. You feel much more confident about his readiness now than you did a year ago. But you know what? Let's just go down and put. It's a good lineup. Got Lomo in the middle there. Miguel Sano going to be batting third. You know Brian Dozier. You go down. You master that eight spot for the first two or three weeks, and then I think his long term home, or at least his like rest of the season home, if he gets off to a hot start, mm-hmm. is number two. I think Dozier's Dozier's been the leadoff hitter With for Mauer number of going years. to where Mauer goes to three, Sano and then Sano goes to cleanup or flip flop Mauer and Sano. Cleanup is no longer the thumper. Mo, there's been so much research put into this by front offices, and you'll notice like Chris Bryant bats second for the Cubs. So, you know, optimal lineup construction, your best hitter should bat first and second. Your best hitter, maybe your run producer, bat second so we can drive in the guy who's batting first and you can get him more at-bats. So you'll see, like, the Cubs had lineups a couple of years ago where Ben Zobris was batting cleanup in a lineup with Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant and these big thumpers. So I could see Dozier number one still. He's your best hitter. Mm-hmm. Gets on base. He, he can run. Buxton batting second behind Dozier. And then you get your OBP. Maybe you go Sano in that third spot. You get kind of the guys who aren't going to run as fast either. Mauer, flip-flop him around. And then the rest of it kind of stays the same. That's what I think happens at some point with Buxton. And so ideally, if if Dozier leaves after this year, ideally what Buxton's atop, the, your, uh, atop next year, opening day, hits first. Yeah. So if you get, if you get what you want from Buxton... He goes from eight to one. Like the counter argument to the that. The Dozier thing is, it's. I, I think they leave Dozier there because he likes to hit there, and it obviously works fine. But I'm guessing that if you were to be given the card and construct the lineup yourself, that you probably would have Dozier five. Well, or something. that's where you go back and forth because do you if if you've got someone who can hit home runs, do you want the advantage of having somebody potentially on base for them when they hit a home run? And I would lean toward yes. But there's a lot of smart people like the Yankees. There's chatter that Aaron Judge might bat leadoff for the Yankees just to get your best hitter right away. Here it is. He's the best hitter. He's either going to hit a solo shot to lead off the game and guarantee you a run, yep. or he's going to get on base. He gets on base like half the time, right? You know. So, so I wow. think I think there's a there's an argument that smart front offices are making. Yankees, Cubs, you know, Red Sox. The Red Sox used to, the Red Sox were ten years ago on this. They'd put J.D. Drew at the top of their order. Remember that. And when J.D. Drew was healthy, people were like, wait a second, you're supposed to put a speed guy up there. And they said, no, we want someone to get on base. In every other sport, there's a clock. You're trying to race against the clock. In baseball, you're racing against 27 outs. So if you can just avoid making an out and move the chains, that's the best asset. Mm -hmm. And if you're starting off the game with a speedy guy but doesn't really get on base, like Billy Hamilton is one of the fastest players in baseball. That guy steals 40, 50 bases. But he gets on base at like a 290 clip. So when he not gets enough. on base, he's stealing, but he's not getting on base enough to to sit up that high and get like 700 plate appearances. Um, so like Dozier does both. He'll get on base and hit for power, and he can run. So I think you're checking enough boxes to where you can put him there. Now, if Maurer felt more comfortable in that leadoff spot or, you know, if you if you could construct your lineup so that your OBP guy is number one, maybe he's not that fast, but he's on base Maybe if Dozier ideal, hits a right. bomb or a double. Right, yeah, I can see but, that. But if Dozier were to go away, Buxton probably, if he can get the on-base percentage up closer to like 340, 350, it was around like 310 or 315 last year. It, and it should go up. So no. he gets on base, 
and hits for some power, but also is a guaranteed double because he could steal that. He was like 29 for 30 in stolen bases last year, mm-hmm. and that's just finally learning how to read pitchers. 40 or more this season, I told you. Yeah, but look at the bottom of the order here, too. You know, you've got Max Kepler, especially against right-handed pitching, is a very good hitter on the upswing. Byron Buxton might get MVP votes if he can put together a season. And then Jason Castro is kind of a you know, whatever you get from him. But if you're going into the bottom of the order and like it's Logan Morrison, Max Kepler, Byron Buxton, that is a very intimidating lineup. It's up there. It's not the Astros. It's not the Yankees. But it's like in that second tier in the American League. Yeah. And, and then so once Polanco comes back, he hits where? Well, his he Same would place as, well, as he, Escobar or higher? Um. I'm actually a little surprised that Escobar's above Morrison in this order. I don't think that I think that's going to change. Yeah. Or maybe they're just trying to They might flip-flop. They might have logic of putting speedier guys in front of a power guy. I don't know if if speed factors in there. But when Polanco comes back, he hits where do you think? He probably, probably hits in the same spot as Escobar, 5th. Okay. Or they flip-flop Escobar and uh, and Morrison. I mean, Polanco in the second half was one of the best hitters in baseball last year. So you could even get away with Polanco. Maybe Polanco bats 4th. He's a be- he, he was a better hitter in the second half than Rosario, and Rosario had a great year. So you could get away with that for sure. They got, I mean, when he comes back, they have a lot of options. They Who do you think do. T- takes a step back? If, if you had to take one, one guy from this list of nine who's, who's going to re- regress somewhat, who do you think it is? Ordinarily, I would have said Eddie Rosario. But he cuts so far back on the strikeouts. Like, that was his thing. There's You can't get, you can't swing at everything and... and and get by as a you know high caliber major league hitter. So, I guess I would say Maurer. Like Maurer hit 300 for the first time in four years last year, and he's what is 35? He turned 35, right? 34, 35, 35 in a couple weeks. Okay, it? in May or something or oh. April. It's like April 7th or something. Old oh, man. So I would say pretty unlikely that Joe Maurer hits 300 again mm-hmm. after three really mediocre seasons before that. But Dozier, he's in his prime. He's been the same hitter for like three years. I don't think you can look at him and say, oh, yeah, there's a regression about to take place. Rosario looks like he's reached a new level. I mean, Escobar might not hit 20 bombs again, so probably Maurer and Escobar. Well, I mean, Lomo. Yeah, Lomo, too. Like, I hit 38 <laughs> 38? Bombs. You don't yeah. think he's going to get to 40? But I think, I think the adjustments he made show you that it's not a fluke. Like, he didn't just fluke his way into 38 home runs last year. He made some actual, meaningful, tangible adjustments that... That should lead to similar results. Like maybe it's thirty instead of thirty-eight home runs, but you'd take that for sure for yeah. like six million dollars. That'd be absolutely fine. Absolutely. Should we get the word on Ryder Cup when we come back? Let's here? do it. Big announcement earlier today. We will uh, fill you guys in when we come back from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd now continue. The sooner the better. On fifteen hundred ESPN. <laughs> Yeah, that was the, the the guy drinking beer during a practice round, heckling, who comes in and puts his putter where his mouth is and sank a putt during the Ryder Cup festivities. Let's bring in our friend Jeff Hintz, CEO of Minnesota PGA. The announcement was made earlier this morning, just about an hour or two ago, that the Hazel team will be the first ever American site to host multiple Ryder Cups in 2028. Jeff, they must have... Uh, they must have enjoyed the everyone but Rory McIlroy enjoyed the experience. It sounds like. <laughs> well, I think he enjoyed it. Maybe not the result. Hey guys, how's it going? Good, good. yeah, good talk to you. Yeah. So, uh, what what do you know? What can you tell us? And what are your thoughts on uh, this pretty big announcement for the Twin Cities? 
Well, you know, I don't work for the PGA, that the, the group that employed me before. I work for the Minnesota PGA, uh, but still connected in some regard. And what I know, I guess I'm just happy. I'm happy for the community and really happy for Hazeltine and, and all the members of Hazeltine and really everybody that had a part in the 2016 Ryder Cup and how successful it was. And it was. It was really, really successful. And, oh, by the way, we won, obviously, and that made it even more successful. And, you know, I'm just happy. I think, yeah, it's a long way away, but 10 years will be here before we know it. And, you know, I think there's been rumblings, you know, for a while, and, and it just was a, a home run on, on every aspect. And it just was a natural thing to do is look at Hazeltine to host another Ryder Cup. So it'll be the first one to host a, another Ryder Cup, to have multiple Ryder Cups on American soil. So happy, really happy. So, Jeff, p- planning starts when then, as far as when, when they're going to have to start to fire things up and uh, start to uh, plan f- uh, for 2028? Yeah, I'd say if we we're going to a new course, you'd start getting some uh, looks at the, the golf course and the layout and where you're going to put all the corporate tents and everything. But the fact that we were at Hazeltine and have been there multiple times, it probably will start kicking in about five years out. Maybe maybe six, we'll start to talk about you know where and you know what's going to look a little bit different. And then the hospitality sales window will begin about four years out. Uh, you start talking about the different packages and everything, and then really get underway with tickets and volunteers and all that within the two-year window. And that's that's when I started. We had people on the ground uh, four years out, three years out, uh, but really, uh, you really start picking up heavily with all the tickets and everything two years out. So from your, I know it, for how heavily you were involved with directing everything uh, with the Ryder Cup in 2016. What are some of the things? And now we've seen the Super Bowl in town, and we're gonna, you know, we're, all these events that are coming to town, the NCAA tournament. What are some of the most unheralded or underrated things that happen behind the scenes from a planning standpoint that maybe fans? They get to see the finished product, you know, either don't understand or don't have access to. Yeah, I would say I don't think people really understand how how long it takes and how many man hours of just volunteers and the staff alone and the, and the Hazeltine staff and the committee. So, you know, I would say just behind the scenes, uh, you know, when you put on an event like that in the production of it, you know, most everybody will see what it looks like from the front of the house is what we call it. But the back of the house where really – it all happens, um, you know, the build and everything happens. Uh, to take somebody back behind the house and just show them just the sheer size of what the event is and what it takes to build. And, you know, I don't have all the stats um, on me right now, um, but it, it's just fascinating the amount of time and work and energy and effort that goes into it. So, um, you know, I guess that's what I'll say. I think people just don't understand, you know, when somebody says, well, how long did you work on that event? And they don't realize that you're working on that one event and that one event only for multiple years. Uh, that's it's a great deal of planning for sure. Jeff, if they, if and when they approach you and say, what should we uh, change from, from the last time and what shouldn't be changed, what would you tell them at that point? Oh, well, I think we can go bigger, really. I think I alluded to that in a tweet uh, today. Hazeltine's a perfect venue, and I think it was really smart for, for Hazeltine and PGA to get this locked up. Some might say, well, what are you doing it so far in advance, 10 years in advance? I think it's smart because. Um, it really just people start talking about it. Um, you've got it on the back of your mind, but I think we can we can we can make it even bigger. Uh, we certainly can. The community has supported, you know, the PGA in '02 and '09 and the Ryder Cup and really the biggest ways we've ever experienced in those events up up until those points. And so there's plenty of room at Hazeltine. You know, the, the members of the club had the foresight to to purchase additional land adjacent to the property to allow for big events like this, and it really is the perfect site to have a Ryder Cup. So. You know, I love to think about where it could be in 10 years and, and going vertical. You know, uh, I'd say one of the things that the European tour does with the Ryder Cup, they plan it when it's over there, 
is, um, you know, they, they have some fascinating structures that they build. And I, I just, I can't wait to see what the PGA will have in store in 10 years to, to go up. You know, when you run out of real estate, you go up. Um, and, and I, I, I could envision that at the Ryder Cup at, at Hazeltine. So you're sure talking 20, just like 20. sheer crowd size too, right? Like just like literally building up more seats. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, this limited golf, limited that you can watch, but I think the experience, I mean, you guys are there just being there in the moment and hearing it, feeling it, the buzz, the energy is so special. And it's not like going to a PGA or another PGA Tour event. You're not going to see as much golf. And that's what we tried to explain to people when, you know, they wanted to come to the Ryder Cup and they were looking at purchasing tickets. It's very different, but it's a, it's a, it's a really cool kind of unique, one-of-a-kind experience. So, yes, more stands. Uh, more video screens um, and, and go up more hospitality opportunities as well. So, I mean, that's, I think there's an opportunity there in 10 years to, to grow it even bigger than what it was in 2016. Uh, our friend, Jeff Hintz, uh, you can follow him uh, at Jeffrey Hintz, H I N T Z on Twitter. He's the CEO of Minnesota PGA. Uh, hey, masters coming up. It might be kind of fun here for tiger woods to, f- to finally be at a high level for the first time in years against some of these up and comers. Uh, what are your thoughts on the masters coming up? Oh man, it's going to be special. I mean, I heard somebody say, "Can you imagine? You got Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, all near the top of the leaderboard. That would be one for the ages for sure." So, uh, golf's in a great spot, you know. And, and it's no secret that when Tiger plays, it's even in a in a better spot, and it, by evidence of the ratings. And uh, you know, a guy never ceases to amaze me and on his ability to recover that quickly from an injury and and compete the way he's competed. I think he just he he. Um, surpassed anybody's expectations and it's going to be exciting so i love this time of year my ringtone on my phone is a master's theme song so um it's just i'm you know a few more days and we'll be able to sit in front of our tv and, and enjoy it there you go do you I just do you just walk it's a around call coming in jeff yeah do you just walk around <laughs> saying hello friends to everybody who you yeah, talk to there you go, Jim hello friends that's right yeah hello so, friends every time you answer the time. phone <laughs> Who are you guys picking for for the Masters? Who's your pick? Uh, I I've picked Tiger for every tournament for five years. Yeah. I think even like the six that he's actually played in the last three years. Dustin Johnson, <laughs> Judd's randomly in on du- Dustin. Johnson. I'm going Dustin Johnson. I think Dave right. picked uh, Tim Herron to win this year's Masters. Right? Another one, one of these years. One of these years. Come on, Timmy. <laughs> That's a great pick. Awesome, Jeff. Great catching up, and uh, I think I we we speak on behalf of golf fans here. It's exciting to hear that the 2028 Ryder Cup is back. You guys did a great job last time around, so uh, thank you for your time, and we'll talk sometime down the road. See you, Jeff. Sounds good, guys. Thanks. Enjoy. Jeff Hintz, uh, taking time out of spring break, by the way. He directed and oversaw the 2016 Ryder Cup logistics, and and, uh, now he's the CEO of Minnesota PGA. Bigger? Wow. That was huge. I mean, I suppose suppose you you can do that. Here's my question. In 10 years, do do you need to re-expand the roads as well? 212's done now, and it's much improved. But if you get that bigger, that's going to be a lot of traffic going out to that place. Well, could they make it so that, I mean, it's a raucous crowd, and it's expected that when you play in a Ryder Cup, you're going to have to deal with just, like, people are just going to be more raucous because it's America, and it's, right? Or or if you're ov- overseas, whatever. Yeah. Could you create a couple holes that have stadium seating around them like the Phoenix Waste Management? I mean, could you just, oh, just put, tackle? Could you take your par threes, and I'd have to go... I mean, there's a couple. There's some water in play, obviously, at Hazeltine. So I don't know if you'd be able to do it like all the way around on par threes. Yeah, but that'd be kind of fun if you could create. If they're thinking about, well, I don't know. He's just kind of speculating. But if you've got more time to plan and you don't have I'll to worry about him. some of the other things that you would for a first time venue, yeah. could you add like 
10,000 seats to a hole, a par three, and make it a just even crazier atmosphere? Just throw some boats or a big old barge in the middle oh, of the water. Oh, my God. Oh, the, a bar boat. How about that? Yeah, yeah that's a great idea. That's a great... <laughs> serving booze? Swim up bars right on the shore. You're on to something. You both are on to something. Yeah. This is a great... The water I would still be this. pretty warm in September, right? Yeah, good enough. Depends. Oh, yeah. Be a little crisp. And you'd be drunk, so you'd be like, yeah, this is fine. <laughs> but did the Ryder Cup start off this this parade of huge events? Was there one before the Ryder Cup, like Super Bowl, and then we're going to have you know next year? The Ryder Cup hitting a home run with that event, in terms of the hosting... Like mm-hmm. the event was awesome and the result was great. The U.S. wins, but I think that was a it was it was like the leadoff hitter for all these big events. Yeah, and they knocked it out of the park, man. They did a fantastic you came away job. thinking, wow. Like, I mean, lucky with the weather too. It wasn't pouring rain, and then just everything, volunteers and logistics and the way it was directed and set up. Yeah, and now bigger. I like I love this idea. Thank you. I love this idea. The bar boat. Just have people out there heckling the golfers. Yeah, this is good. It'll be fun. I could be dead in 10 years, but it'll be fun. <laughs> just wish they had done a good enough job to keep WrestleMania coming here. Yeah, they just, they just announced another, I think, another repeat location, too. Did they really? Like Orlando they, or something. Oh, come on. So since this two or three years down the road now. They're booked out like three years <laughs> down the road, I think, or two, two or three. This is all the Vikings' fault. But they went, so they went back to New Orleans. They've gone to New Orleans like twice in the last four years for WrestleMania, which is... Two weeks away now. Um, I think this was supposed to be this was supposed to be WrestleMania, but they didn't want to overlap with Super Bowl. But you should be so mad if the well, Vikings had if the Vikings hadn't given that information up. I'm sure and it was in the Vikings.com promotional video yes. thumping their chest about all the events. It was to Lester town. Bagley talking about we got a Super Bowl, and then I think he said, I think it was we're gonna get WrestleMania. I think that's what he said. Yes, and yeah, I th- to that effect. From what I can see, at least Wikipedia, they're only booked out through 2019. But it's, it's is, it, is it Orlando? No, they only have uh, MetLife Stadium 2019. Orlando okay, was you, 2017. That's what it was. Okay, so you're right. Um, but Orlando was a repeat venue because they they were in Orlando in 2008, and then for New Orleans, they were in New Orleans in 2014 and 18. So obviously, and MetLife's a repeat too. They were there 2013. Okay, so they're like they've done three repeat locations in the time where they could announce Since they a new location, Minneapolis. Stadium, yes. By the way, like That's the Twin Cities, home to all kinds of WWE Hall of Famers. The Vikings, Mr. Perfect, it. Ravishing Rick Rude, uh, Road Warrior Animal, who's got a podcast. He was on our Lay show. Lay the blame Ro- where the blame belongs. The Vikings botched this. Oh, no one disagrees with you, of course. And Vince it w- got mad, and now Vince is carrying out a vendetta, and you can't get your event. And you have no idea. I know you're going to be Mr. Like, mocking it the whole time. They're going to sell out the stadium. Oh, no, I know it's a big deal. And and they have they have Just because I mock have, it, I know it's a big deal. They have fan access that will probably happen at the convention center. Mm-hmm. So fan access will be like a week long. You're going to have – it's not quite Super Bowl vibe where you get all that media coming in. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure. That'll They're not going to turn down media. <laughs> Vince McMahon going to turn down – I'd take it. Exposure. I'll go. Sounds like fun. I'm being dead serious too here. I'm not mocking it. I'm not being a wiseacre. I'm not being a wiseacre. I am being very (laughs) sincere here. I think it'll be a very neat event. Got a Final Four next year. Hey, Judd, it'd be pretty awesome to have WrestleMania come to town, huh? That'd be cool, man. I'd like to to see that again. (laughs) 
Terrible. But seriously, like fan access too, right? Wouldn't fan access be super yeah. fun? You get to meet The Undertaker? That'd be cool, man. I'd like to, to see that again. It's awful, you guys. Still. Phil Mackey. He tried to be so polished. As a broadcaster, he says weird stuff, but it's almost funny at times. Judd Zolgad. Just from a baseball perspective, I really enjoy him. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Like Byron, our Byron Buxton conversation from earlier, striking a chord with Scotty Guy Larry via email here. Hi, Larry. Larry loves you. Larry emails us D- a lot. Despises me and, and Larry, you. we see your emails, and they're mostly belligerent, and this one is in the same bin. Hey, Dave, at least your homers had some thought put into them. I'll write that down. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay, Judd, I thought you knew better after the Viking collapse, but you still have not learned anything either. I knew Phil would go crazy with his twins picks, but not you, Judd. <laughs> this love affair with Buxton kills me. First off, he'll be hurt by May and miss 30 games this year. He'll hit 260, 18 homers, and 75 RBIs, which would be a really, like, I would take that, actually, with a gold glove in center field and a bunch of stolen bases. I think I'd take that. Yeah, it'll work. Uh, write that down. The last three years, I said that, th- all right, here he goes. The last three years, I said the Twins would win 83 games right on the money. But then I said 82, way off, but not as bad as you guys. Last year, I said 85 and 77, which was right on again. Way to go, Larry. Dang. Larry, dude. Way to go, Larry. <laughs> Larry, Larry nice call work. in. You're welcome to host Larry. the rest of the show. We'll take off a little early lunch for us. Larry, they're home run predictions. They're supposed to be absurd to a certain degree. <laughs> That's the whole purpose of the segment. That's why they're called home run predictions. Yes. I don't know. Like if we said thought, thought, thought Byron Buxton is going to be there, the Judd. man, That's probably not going to be a home run prediction. <laughs> Just saying. Um, yeah, Ted chimes in here too. Uh, Buxton batting eighth should also be reflective of him stealing a ton of bases. Yeah, like you're, you have the green light probably much more aggressively batting eighth. To, all right, let's get something going here. Jason Cash is at the plate. Whatever, get something going for for uh, Brian Dozier at the top of the order. So it's it's a good decision. Like put him in the. Oh, eighth I'm spot. fine with it. Yeah, but don't it surprise do, me. But it's fine. Don't do what Gardy did. You guys remember when Delman Young was hitting like 350 for three months in the eighth spot in 2010, and Gardy was like, there. "Oh, what about moving him up to like cleanup or something?" He seems to be clicking. He's a former number one overall pick, and it looks like he's kind of figuring it out. Oh, I don't want to. But that's no. He's yeah. comfortable. No, 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 he's comfortable. He's comfortable. Yeah. Don't. Shh. No, no, no. That's Gardy. No, no, no. But he's comfortable. But well, what about like Ben Revere as a no. noodle arm in right field? Shouldn't you move him? Maybe it's no, comfortable. Shh. <laughs> Everyone's comfortable. Well, how about Span? No, don't don't say his name. Comfortable. How about when Denard Span went to play right field and was outstanding? He's got vertigo. And it made perfect sense. And he's like, I, I can't do that. No, he's a center fielder. I can't move him. <laughs> Guardy's going to be so awesome in Detroit this year. Him I and Miggy Cabrera. I saw I, I saw a piece two weeks ago about how Guardy is embracing. These statistics. Well he's, ma- well, he's making millions. Analytics to- now. He's embracing them. You know what's going to happen. He's going to, by June, he's going to crumble them all up and throw them down. It's just like what Tibbs does. Gardy almost got chucked out of a game last week. Did you see that? Did he? Almost. He, I don't he think he got chucked. the Evo. A bunch of guys did. Yes, five did. I don't think he's one of them. Because like, 
Yeah, it was all pitchers number 78 or higher, guys that have no chance making the team. And they were, you know, just dinging guys left and right. And yeah. Nobody can throw straight. And uh, who was the umpire? I can't remember. I don't remember. Uh, anyway, he tossed five guys. And, you know, the first one was the Tigers pitcher, and Guardy went out and flipped a lid. He had to defend him, man. In a spring game. Yes. Yeah, he, had, he had to defend him. Well, he had to defend him. But if you're the umpire, you don't have to eventually throw five different people out of the game. <laughs> Calm down. The pitchers great. can't throw straight. Guardy was beat red. Guardy had the perfect job. Bench coach. He's what, 60-something? Warm weather, has Arizona. Had some, has mm-hmm. had some heart problems, you get to right? hang out in San Diego, Los Angeles. Yes. Uh, Colorado, it warms but up, you know. That bench coach job, for, for, his, for his point in life, he had lost a bunch of weight. He looked great. You Handle know, the three-ring binder. That's all we need. You know in July he's going to come here. He's going to have gained 25 to 30 pounds, and we're all going to be like, Ron. What's going on? And he's going to be beat red. It is going to be odd to see him like 18 times leaning over the opposing railing, though. With that team, too? And then nine times or whatever at target field. Uh, their lineup actually isn't a total disaster if Miguel Cabrera, if he goes back to being the old Miggy. But here's their rotation. Their number one starter is Jordan Zimmerman, who's been maybe the worst starting pitcher in baseball <laughs> the last two years. He was really good for three months a couple of years ago. train fell. wreck. Uh, Fulmer, and then according to the MLB.com depth chart, Francisco Liriano was their number three starter going into the season. Yeah. Followed by Mike Fires, who's going to open the season on the disabled list. Uh, and then a couple other guys. Uh, is this Daniel Norris? Yeah, he used to be a top prospect, but now he's just kind of... Blue Jays, right? Good luck with that. Yeah. Now Blue he's Jay prospect? Tigers. Anyways, uh, yeah, that's gonna be a bad. That's gonna be a bad baseball team. So what's the story here? We we were all, I think, rightfully so, bent out of shape about Eagles fans and yeah. throwing bottles and full cans of beer at Vikings fans. It was a, definitely a big deal during NFC Championship game week. The behavior of idiot meathead Eagles fans at the link. Collar uh, picked this up and posted on our website in the past couple of days. The National Football League is looking into behavior by rowdy Eagles fans who were caught on video throwing full beers beers and hurling all types of insults at anyone wearing purple uh, before and during the NFC Championship game in Philadelphia. Mike McFeely of WDAY in Fargo reported the NFL has spent weeks investigating the pregame acts. Quote, We've been speaking speaking to some fans who attended the game to learn more about their experience. The National Football League's Brian McCarthy told McFeely in an email, according to the report, a post from from the National Football League senior VP and chief security officer Kathy Lanier wrote in response to a Facebook post made by a Vikings fan that said the league will quote publicly announce changes that will be implemented going forward. Okay, what does that mean? That's what. Well, here's what. I'm curious about just tase them all. Well, you can you can control what goes on inside the stadium. I'm sure to a large degree, but I don't know how you control the parking lots. Why not? You can control you, you control cities like put police in the parking lots. They're actually going to okay, do something. But that would be the key thing. It's not that big but of the a na- parking but lot. But the, na- the National Football League, no, but around that stadium, it's a lot of separate lots. There's one main lot, but where a lot of the problems were were. Uh, were lots off the site slightly so that they weren't in the stadium parking lot. But, poli- but police should be able to control But police should have done that before the championship game. And, and as I told you, they didn't care. So I don't know how the National Football League is going to convey to the cops in Philadelphia, you might want to arrest people if they're throwing full beers. That'd be well, the, that, think, that would be the smart thing to do. I don't know that they'll do it. I think, But you can, you can ratchet up 
the attention. I mean, you can you can put the heat on those police officers if you just make it a big story nationally, well, which is kind of what's happening here, right? One would hope that they will. Say, All right, so here's the thing: if you can if you can hold events like South by Southwest, which is music and it's entertainment and it's technology, all these things, or uh, or Coachella, these big outdoor festivals, those event organizers don't just throw up their they don't just shrug their shoulders and say, well, I mean, you can't police. That's a big area. You can't police it, so I guess I guess you could just have your brains beat out or have full cans of beer thrown. And at if you, you can get the cops to care, that's great. I don't know that that you can there. The, I, the thing I, that I, I don't think all Philadelphia police officers the, just don't care. I, 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 I no, would but guess there's enough. There are... But but here here's my my thing about about football games. When did and why did it become? It seems like if you go if you go to a baseball game and hurl a full beer. You're going to be in big trouble. Arrested. Everyone's Without gonna, question, Everyone's right? going to point at you. Yes. Oh, get this. Yeah. Hockey games for the most part. Basketball games. I, I feel that for the most part, it's the same way. Why does it seem like across the board in a, a lot of towns, including this one at times, like the football experiences, I'm going to let off steam and I'm going to get as drunk as I possibly can. And then I'm going to get abusive. Yeah. Like, like, fa- Families and and fans should not be afraid to go to games. I think there's a certain ritual. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of overlap. If you're a, if you're an Eagles fan, you probably also go to Phillies games and 76ers games. There's overlap, and but you're not behaving the same way at a Sixers game or beforehand as you would at you know a Major League Baseball game as you would. I think it's it's a combination of a week long lead up. Let's be honest, too. The people who are getting bombed and throwing beers at heads, it's either super young college kids who are just being idiots. Mm-hmm. It's not guy who has a lot to lose, right? Like, if you have a lot to lose, if you run a successful business yeah, or you're something, probably you're probably it. not in that mix. Right. So it's probably a lot of people who aren't loving their life Monday through Friday. So they're looking forward to this all-day thing. We get to drink all morning, and we're going to day drink, and we're going to... And we're going to set up shop in the tailgate lots, and we're going to get bombed. So you're already, like, it's this ritual of getting bombed. And then football fan bases have a much more, like, what's the word? Much more passionate, serious, um, like, fan bases band together more in football than they do in other sports. It's one of 16. You got to have this one. They need us. But it, that's true, yes. But I'm trying to describe like the fan bases. You go to a Twins game and everyone's wearing jerseys, but it's not like let's all link arms and it's not like a brotherhood fan base. It's a casual watch, right? Football is like the fan bases are brotherhoods, and we're gonna we're gonna link arms and no yeah, one disrespects so, our team like there's that. There's no right? Twins World Order, is what you're saying? Correct. Correct. <laughs> Painted faces. Yeah, it, down the third baseline, just, just a, a bunch of dudes in mini, just, mini and Paul shoulder pads with spikes. It's a very weird culture where where that's the one sport, though, where you do have people basically say, I'm going to drive to the game, get as drunk as I possibly can, abuse fans, throw stuff, get in my car, and drive home. It's just a weird... You you would think that the league should look at ways to say, you know what, this is a really bad idea. Well, but okay, but what would those ways be? Obviously, I honestly beating up police presence. Yeah, I, in, in tailgate, lots I would is start. One of them. I would start with this, and it, it might be tough. But if I owned a team, and and I had an on at least property of my stadium, 
I had someone do something egregious, season tickets gone. I think they do that, though. I yank them automatically. I'm pretty sure that does happen. If and you, beat and a if guy you up, sell them, and if you sold them to your friend Jethro, and he beats a guy up, season tickets still Well, gone. I can tell you, I mean, I extended family like 20 years ago at Lambeau Field. I have family in Wisconsin. There was an extended family member that had some mental issues and went to a game using the season tickets of, like, dad or whatever, and got into a fight, punched some guy's lights out, they had to kick him out of the stadium, and I believe they took away the season tickets. Okay. Which, if that happens at Lambeau Field, your family ain't going to get back in line very quickly. They don't really like you then. Well, I'm saying like you wouldn't be able to get the tickets back Correct. very quickly. At, Correct. Because those that's like a that's generation a big, that's a huge line, deal. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a long list. So I'm pretty sure that happens. I mean, for for Philadelphia, it's as simple as hey, uh, we're going to shine a light on this. We're the NFL, and we're gonna we're gonna make make it known to the whole country that you're that the, we agree that this is a problem. And put pressure on the police forces to make it like if a, if an idiot twenty one year old kid or forty whatever throws a yeah full Coors Light at someone's head, it shouldn't be celebrated and laughed at. Like you can heckle, make fun, whatever, chant, go to go for hockey games and chant about the girlfriend of the goalie. It's funny, whatever. We don't need a full can of beer or a bottle being thrown at yeah, someone's head. This is know. true. All right, we'll come back, Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd now continue. You're trained for this. You're ready for this. On 1500 ESPN. Right now on the 1500 ESPN stream player, a $25 Target gift card thanks to Luther Brookdale Toyota. Shop where Mackey shops and head to 1500ESPN.com. Click on that stream player to find out how to win. Yeah, shop where I shop. All of the places that I shop. Not just Luther Brookdale you shop? Toyota. Well, uh... Will Costco for you? Oh, my... My earbud headphone just shocked the uh, my, shocked my eardrum. Those things there. are dangerous, man. I know. I forgot my uh, my Beats at home yeah, today, those, so I'm going with the buds. Oh, those buds. In four hours, I think it's telling me, hey, might need to shop for some new earbuds as well. Exactly. I got a problem. The buds. Just one. The buds. Well, no, I, I've got lots. The <laughs> buds. I can't keep the damn things in, in my ears. I'm with you. They always fall out. Like I cannot work out with the buds. They fall out of your ears, both of you guys? They do. I've never been able to wear them. Gigantic ear holes? They fall out, and if I I really shove them in there, wedge them in, then it starts to really hurt after about three minutes. Really? How big are your ear holes, you guys? Well, here. Take a look. They they might just be oddly shaped. Actually, you do have have kind of a large little... It does work. (laughs) Your ear hole is massive. Check out that ear hole, (laughs) huh? I'm good. good. How about that ear hole? Stay over there. Huh? Here. Get closer to me. (laughs) Check out... Yeah, no, look good. Yeah, it, it like won't. A hot it, dog down a it won't stay in. Wait, it sucks. <laughs> I'm okay with it. I don't need to be an earbud guy. I'd like to. Well, Everyone's an earbud guy. I can go over the top. That's fine. I will admit, like they do get sore if you have them in for like two or three hours on a flight, and there's definitely a pain factor. I'm talking five minutes. I can't go five minutes. Really? Yes. Working out is the one that is the one place that I wish it worked and it doesn't. This job, How I don't How often care. do you really have to worry about that problem? <laughs> oh, you see, that type of cheap shot coming from you, <laughs> given do, your current hey, condition. I do I do work out quite often. I just, do you really? I just eat like garbage more often than I probably should. Yes. You really work out a lot? I've got the Fitbit rocking here, getting my steps in. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't mean you're it working does. out. No, just because yeah, you yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you mean if I just walk casually down to the back of the parking lot and get yeah, my 5,000 steps in that way? Got my, got my Fitbit way? in here, doesn't yeah. <laughs> yeah um, 5,000 calories so far today. I found this story from a website called SlaterScoops.com. I don't know what that is, but it's a great story about Marlins Man. You guys know Marlins Man. I know Slater. 
It's AC Slater yeah. actually started his, his post <laughs> with a Bell career. Uh, Screech is one of his correspondents. <laughs> Check out what's new on Preppy. <laughs> They've got a whole page with that guy from the Max just doing magic tricks. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, exclusive to SlaterScoops.com. Marlins man, who is, uh, his real name is Lawrence Levy. He's the guy wearing full orange Marlin stuff that sits in premium seats for every big baseball game. And he's been a Marlin season ticket holder for 25 years, going back to 1993. He wrote, and he's had some, like, he's taken big-time issue with the Giancarlo Stanton trade. And it's like their most noteworthy fan is mad at the organization because they stripped it all down. Correct. Marlins man sends $200,000 check to the Marlins for season tickets. Here's what happened. I'm just going to read you some of this. The Marlins' best-known fan... South Florida attorney Lawrence Levy was unable to come to an agreement with the Marlins to renew his seats behind home plate, so he will not be going to games in 2018. Wow. He's been a Marlins full-time season ticket holder since 1993, and he sent the team a check for $200,000, and what he wanted was a three-year deal (laughs) for four season tickets right behind home plate for the 2018, 19, and 20 seasons. And he even addressed... This is on December 27, 2017. He addressed a letter to Mr. Derek Jeter, CEO of Miami Marlins. Mr. Jeter, enclosed is a check for $200,000 made payable to Miami Marlins baseball for full season tickets for these upcoming seasons. The Marlins rejected and countered with some kind of counteroffer. Marlins man says, I received more of a discount for other teams with a multi-year deal, including the Yankees, and I never had to pay years in advance, even though he's offering a three-year contract for these tickets. This very reasonable offer was made in good faith and had nothing to do with Jeter getting in my Marlins car, throwing out the first pitch, or any other falsely reported nonsense. I don't know what all that stuff's about, but um, apparently um, he's just going to sit out now until they have a winning team. Quote, hopefully sometime in my lifetime. So he's just so the done Marlins now? turned down a 200 now how much money I'm assuming he's overpaying but why would they turn down for that crappy who franchise knows? who knows the They're... most popular fan and most noteworthy fan offers you $200,000 for primo seats for 3 years and you turn that down it's amazing somebody when can offer comes, more when it comes to Marlins man against the team I can't decide who I'm cheering for now oh Marlins man I'm not a big Marlins man guy why because he's just, I don't know, he annoys me. He, in what he, way? Because he goes to baseball he games? Just, he just annoys me. But it's always, look at me. I'm at a baseball game. Look this at is me. the attitude you needed Friday look at me. Sister look Jean. at me. But Sister Jean is pure. Sister Jean is, she's a nun for, I mean, she's I mean, she's great. I love Sister Jean. But Marlon's man, he's always, look at me. Look at my Marlon shirt. I don't know. He he, he annoys me. Do you remember him at the uh, Derek Jeter like, uh, what do you call them? Town Hall. Yeah, Town Halls. Yeah. That's yes. where the tension. Okay, that's when, the yeah. When he got up and, yeah, I'm so and so. Yeah. You, 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 you know who we, I am? Yeah, as Marlins, man. Yeah, it's like, good for you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the math on that would be if he went to all 81 home games, uh, the math would be like two, because it's four seats, it'd be $200 per seat. So maybe the Marlins are saying, it's a nice prices. chunk of guaranteed money, but if we sold those seats individually, but like, are they going to? Who's going to go to those games? I think what he's saying is no one's going to go to your games. So here's, I right. might be underpaying per seat per game, but I'm going to give you guaranteed money for those seats. And you're going to get like 
I'm the biggest fan. It's like that uh, Fireman Ed guy with the Jets, right? Yes. Like you want that guy if he's been also there for annoying. 20 years. You want that guy. At the game. Fireman Ed, look at me. What do you me. hate about like? Look at me, Marlins look at me. man. I'm Fireman Ed. Okay, isn't any fan wearing a jersey? Look at me, like you just hate fans. He's wearing a Marlins jersey, but he goes. Why is that? Look at me. But he's at everything wearing his Marlins jersey. He annoys me. So if you wore a Yankees jersey, it'd be no, different. you'd still annoy me. So he just shouldn't it, it go just to games. No, he can go to games, but wear a normal, wear a plaid shirt, buddy. Once in a while, huh? <laughs> wear a sweater. Maybe, maybe wear Sister pullover. Jean should just walk instead of having that accident that made her go in the uh, the. No, the I'm not going. No, I'm not going to do it. Is that what you're saying? I'm not going to do it. This is all That's about you getting me to rip Sister Jean, and I'm not doing it. Sister Jean is an American treasure. Marlins man can go away. So if he wore like a, a Judd Zulgad Iowa State hoodie behind home plate, yeah, then he'd, he'd be, be fine. fine right? yeah, yes, okay. then he'd be fine. Nondescript. You wear the same shirts every day. Why can't he? But I blend in. He doesn't. <laughs> blend in, buddy.